it's actually funny because when my grandparents heard about this anthology, they said, I hope you're not quitting your day job to be a writer. You're listening to the Take Back Podcast, where women of color creatives come together to inspire, empower, and encourage each other. I'm Jess Pillay, an Indo-Fijian independent singer-songwriter. And I'm Angelica Dianda, a Mexican-American licensed mental health counselor and singer. And this is the podcast where we explore and elevate stories from women of color who are artists, musicians, actors, entrepreneurs, and so on, who are navigating and taking back systems designed against them. Welcome back to the Take Back Podcast. I'm Angelica Dianda, and I'm here with my co-host, Jazz Play. In today's episode, we had the opportunity to speak with Chelsea Green, who is a CPA by day and a writer by night. Chelsea Green was born in Seattle, Washington, and grew up in a quiet suburb south of the city. While the Pacific Northwest will always be home, she took a chance on a career path that included a move to the East Coast in 2019. Like so many millennials, Chelsea became a dog owner during the COVID-19 pandemic when she adopted her rescue puppy, Bailey. Chelsea's favorite use of her free time is to have a quiet night at home with Bailey, but she also enjoys travel, live music, reading, Washington wine, and, of course, writing. One of the takeaways that we got out of today's episode was we talked about um, being a bivocational individual while still pursuing creative endeavors outside of a normal nine-to-five job. And that you don't have to leave your day job to still be a valid creative. I love that. And it resonated so much for me because that is what I do. And I know that's what you do as well. Totally. And I think that's something that a lot of creatives struggle with, right? And it goes back to what we talked about in one of our earlier episodes where this guy is telling me, you don't really want to do music because you're not willing to leave your job. And then here's this amazing woman coming in saying, I'm not leaving my day job, but I am going to do the creative thing on top of it. Exactly. I'm a multifaceted person. And I love that so much about Chelsea that she was just so open and honest about that. So a big takeaway. Okay. Well, we've got a really exciting conversation with Chelsea for you. So we're going to shut up now and here we go. So Chelsea, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and a little bit about your background? Absolutely. My name is Chelsea Green. By day, I am a technical accounting consultant and a CPA, which is how I pay my bills. And I am also an aspiring writer. I have been published already as part of an anthology that was very new um, and very exciting and very nerve wracking. And I also am working on my first novel, which I'm hoping to publish maybe later this year, maybe 2023. It's kind of very fluid right now. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Love it. So Chelsea, tell us a little bit more about your upbringing. Were you creative as a kiddo? And if so, how was that expressed? Yeah, good question. I I did not consider myself creative as a kid. And it's funny because I still struggle to consider myself as a creative now, just because my job is so not creative. And it felt like growing up, it was very much, you know, like, do good in school and get a good job. And kind of that was that was the message of my upbringing. And I grew up playing piano, um, didn't pursue it past, I think, 
junior year of high school. So that was really kind of my biggest creative outlet as a kid was was piano. But uh, writing has kind of been a new foray. And I always journaled and, you know, I was always coming up with stories in my head and I never got the chance to like translate those stories into paper. And now that that's kind of the the endeavor and, you know, I'm getting the stories out of my head and onto paper, that's been um, kind of new. But I, I think looking back, I can kind of see how I was creative all along and how like the foundations were there. I just never really felt like I was tapping into those foundations because yeah. it was always do good in school, get a good yeah. job, you know, kind of X, Y, Z. But no, you, you said it so beautifully that even though you may have not considered yourself as a creative growing up, that you were seeing those threads still there. There was like little signs along the way that were showing you, yeah, you actually are. So I'm actually curious, like as a kiddo, like what were something like quirky or kind of interesting little bits that you would write about? Yeah. So I, I never wrote about it, but I had, <laughs> I had an embarrassing amount of imaginary friends when I was a kid and more, more so imaginary animals than imaginary friends. Uh, I've always, I, I still pretty much do prefer animals to most people. And I think that that was something that was also true of me as a kid. So I had all these imaginary animals, which is <laughs> embarrassing to admit, but I was always like making up scenarios for them. And like, I could see like, oh yeah, this is how like, oh, we're going to go on this adventure and we're going to do this and this oh animal's going to do that. And yeah, I was, I was, very, I love it. That was, that was me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so now I have to know, like, you have to tell us like what of your many, like creative animal characters, which one was your favorite? We need to, to, you, oh, to you have to share Like, I'm so fascinated. You got a dish. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. So Balto was probably my favorite animated movie growing up. Yes. Uh, second, and Lion King was a very, very close second. Mm. But I, I thought that if I had a dog like Balto, life would just be like the most incredible thing ever. So Balto was my favorite imaginary animal. <laughs> oh my. So did you and Balto go on adventures? I have, like I said, oh, yeah. And, oh, we did. Yes. Yeah. Not, not the save the children from diphtheria type adventures, but you know, running around the backyard it. and hiding from planes that flew overhead and things like that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's so great. So growing up in your childhood and in your teens, what were your creative influences? I don't know if you had a favorite writer or someone that you um, really enjoyed, you know, or were inspired by. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I read a lot of books as a kid. I still read as much as I can. Um, took a little bit of a break during grad school because it was tough to read things that were not textbooks. Um, and mm -hmm. then after graduating, really tried to kind of rediscover my love of reading. But growing up, I read a lot of Nancy Drew. I read, I think I read every single Boxcar Children book. Yes. Um, and then I was a huge, huge fan, still am, of the Chronicles of Narnia and mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings and Yay. everything that is, you know, tangential to those worlds. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. Yeah. I'm also a huge C.S. Lewis fan, so I appreciate that very much. So. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the best. Love it. <laughs> So Chelsea, as as long as I've known you, I've kind of always thought of you as that more technical, you know, analytical kind of a thinker. You know, I knew you when you were in grad school. We were actually working together at the time and you were creatively inclined. You talked about having these awesome imaginary animal friends <laughs> and everything else and having kind of this interest in creative expression. But at some point you definitely decided that you wanted to pursue what people would consider a more analytical or, you know, numbers driven type of a job. Mm -hmm. So tell us about that journey. What led to that? And what made you choose accounting in the CPA world? Yeah, so it's it's interesting. And I mentioned that I grew up playing piano. And for a while, probably 
12 to 14 years old, I thought, oh my gosh, if I can like study music in college, Mm -hmm. that'll be great. That'll be, you know, I, I don't think I was good enough to have taken it to the college level and majored in music. But at the time I thought I was, and I thought, you know, like, oh my gosh, if I can do music for the rest of my life, like this would be so cool. And my parents who I absolutely love, and they've always been so supportive, but they said, you know, Hey, you should maybe think about something that can pay Get the a real job. A little bit. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. I could pay some and, money. You know, my mom, my mom stayed home to homeschool my brother and I growing up, but her background is in ultrasound. And then my dad, um, was in the military and ended up getting his MBA and then went to law school. And so, you know, just really slacking off in his life. Right. Um, <laughs> so he, he was, he was really the one that said like, you got to do something that will pay the bills. Yeah. And so when I got into high school, I was like, okay, shoot, I have to do something that pays the bills. And I have no idea what that is. If, if it's not music, like what is it? And I did um, the running start program in Washington state. So the mm-hmm. concurrent credit that allows high school juniors and seniors to go to community college and get credits And I kind of went in just eyes wide open. I don't know what I want to study, but I need to get kind of my general education courses out of the way. And I had the opportunity to take an account or before I took my first accounting course, I took a business 101 course Mm -hmm. and it was, it was an elective. I had room for it. I thought it would be pretty easy. And my dad had said, you know, everyone needs a basic knowledge of the business world. Maybe think about this. And I thought, okay, I can take a business class and I didn't hate it. Yeah. And then someone told me, hey, you're pretty good at math. You should try accounting, which is hilarious because now as an accountant, like, yes, there's a math component, but I always tell people I'm not good at math. I'm good at Excel and yeah. Excel is good at the math. There you go. <laughs> so I don't have to think about the math as long as I know how to manipulate Excel to do the math for me. Yeah. But I took an accounting class because someone told me it was like math. And for whatever reason, from that day on, it just clicked. And I said, oh my gosh, this I think this is it. I want to take another accounting class. And that, and then that turned into another and another and another, and then ultimately a degree in accounting and then grad school for it. And I'm, I'm that nerd. So I love it. Do you think that there was ever thinking about your family? So you are biracial and of course Mm -hmm. have the BIPOC experience as we both Mm -hmm. do as well. And a big part of this podcast is kind of exploring how creativity and the experience of being women of color intersect. And so I'm just wondering, as you were growing up, thinking about things like maybe I want to do the music thing, or maybe you want to go in a creative direction, and then having mm-hmm. your parents say, you know, quote, unquote, get a real job, or, you know, do the right. thing that's going <laughs> to provide some amount of safety. That's a really common thing for families of color, I think, a right. lot of times. Do you feel like that was at play at all in your experience? I think so. And so my dad, is, my dad is the middle child of seven siblings. And he, if I recall correctly, and I think, I think it's right. He was actually the first of his siblings to go to college. So it was very much a, uh, he kind of, he kind of, you know, had kind of a little bit of the bootstraps experience and really pulled himself to where he is today. And his upbringing was not necessarily conducive to it. He kind of had to claw his way there. So Yeah. yeah, I think that that was, I think he was able to look back and see kind of everything that he had to Mm-hmm. do to get to where he was right. by the time that I was considering college. And he said, you know, like, based on that, this is what you should consider. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. My my dad comes from a large family as well. So there's, I think it's common for, mm-hmm. you know, children who come from large families and immigrant families or mm-hmm. BIPOC families to say, yeah, do the thing that's going to create some stability right. in your life. Right. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So when we invited you to be on this show, you 
have this quote that you provided. Mm-hmm. I'm actually just going to read the quote. You said, yeah. I've lived my entire life hesitant to use the word creative to describe myself. I'm intimately familiar with imposter syndrome, especially yes. since as a CPA, I seem to have been shoehorned by the world into team analytical rather than team mm-hmm. creative. That's such a powerful statement. And there's so many things mm-hmm to unpack there. So I would Mm -hmm. love to hear for you, when did the shift happen where you said, I think I do believe in myself as a creative enough to give writing a chance? I feel like it's more of an ongoing process than a definitive moment where I said, oh, I can give writing a chance. I was actually um, editing my novel about an hour before I jumped on this call with the two of you. And I had to step back. I, you know, I edited for about 45 minutes and then imposter syndrome hit me like a wave. And I was like, this is trash. I'm trash. Like this is, I've literally published and my anthology is sitting on my coffee table, but I'm sitting here like, I can't do this. And I, Yeah. So I'm definitely still learning what it means to actually like accept myself as a creative. But every time I sit down with my novel, I just, I, other than the times when I'm, when I, you know, imposter syndrome hits, but there are just moments where I I find that flow and I'm like, oh my gosh, this story is actually good. And it's a story that I would like to read if I wasn't Mm -hmm. in the process of writing it. And I read a lot. I've read some books that are fantastic and make me think that, oh my gosh, there's no way that I could publish mine. And then I've read some books where I've gotten to the end and said, oh my gosh, if this thing got published, I could get published. (laughs) Like, let's, let's go. (laughs) So it's, it's a daily struggle. It's an ongoing process for sure. Yeah. We know it's interesting. Imposter syndrome totally likes to rear its ugly head for any any individual, but particularly, I think, people of color, but specifically women of color. In fact, earlier today, I was just talking to Jess about having my own moment of imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and things that I had to do to just kind of get myself out of it. So when you have those moments when you notice that imposter syndrome is kind of like the little like devil on your shoulder that's like, you know, like <laughs> telling you all these like negative things, what are some things that you do to just kind of combat that or fight back? So sometimes I literally like physically flick it off of my shoulder. Like I I envision it sitting on my shoulder I flick it away. And I say like, no, this is actually like, no, get out of here. Like, no, I didn't invite you into this space. This is my writing space. You're not welcome here. Uh, So that's, that, that helps. And then I've also been writing with a lot of music in the background and mostly like orchestral, you know, things without words, but um, a lot of like epic movie soundtrack scores, because that just like really hypes me up to write. So that, you know, if, if I'm not vibing with whatever I'm listening to, I'll skip the song or put on something else. And I've honestly found that writing with music has helped a lot with my process. What are some yeah. of your favorites? Tell us about. See, you like literally took okay. the question out of my mouth. <laughs> I got excited because we're talking music. I know. I, know. <laughs> I need to pull up my writing playlist. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, Can we so share right that? Now, Could we share that with our listeners? Yes, absolutely. Um, so there's an artist by the name of Fifth Dawn. Ooh, and okay. they have a song called High Towers. Mm-hmm. And they actually are on my playlist a few times. High Towers is one. I cannot find the other. Okay. Um, but yeah, they, it's incredible. So cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. So tell us a little bit about just like your writing process. And mm-hmm. so when you kind of flick that, that imposter voice away and say, you know, get out of here. What mm-hmm. are some of the things you do? Like, what are some rituals maybe or things that you do to kind of get yourself into the zone and get going with your writing? 
Yeah, that has also kind of been an ongoing process. There was a period of time last year where I didn't touch my book for six months. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I looked back at the last modified date in the file and I was like, oh my gosh, it has been six months. Like what happened? Most of the time I find that I just need to get myself to start. And it's kind of, I I do the same thing at the gym. So I should know this about myself. If I say like, (laughs) oh, I don't want to go to the gym, but I'll go for five minutes. Once I get there, five minutes turns into half an hour and, you know, right. I seem to get there. And so uh, that's, that's been something I've noticed with my writing too. If I say, oh, I, I don't have time to, you know, sit down with it and edit or write something for an hour and a half, I'll say, okay, but you have five minutes, right? Like I'll trick, I'll try to trick myself into like, yeah, just, just sit down with it for five minutes. And then sometimes it really only is five minutes, but at least that five minutes is better than nothing. Totally. And more often than not, that state of flow takes over and five minutes turns into an hour and the, the story sucks me back in. And there's times where I, like, I feel like I come up for air and I'm like, Oh my yeah. gosh, like it's dark outside. I've been yeah. writing all afternoon. So yeah, that's, um, I don't know if that, if that answers the question. I feel like no, I kind of does. rambled it's, off there at the end. Well, so. Showing up right is the first step sometimes. Yeah. And that's, I think sometimes, at least for me, when I'm dealing with imposter syndrome, that's mm-hmm. a huge piece of it is like, I think anybody who has these kind of perfectionistic tendencies, which I've known you long enough to know that that's also true (laughs) for you. And it is very true, you know, both of us us as well, Mm -hmm. um, especially in our like professions. And so sometimes we don't want to show up, I have found, because it's like I'm scared to create crap, right? Right. So I just won't do it because it's better than creating something that's garbage. And, Mm -hmm. And then we talk ourselves out of even just showing up. It sounds like really simple advice, but showing up is sometimes the hardest and most important piece of it. Yeah. And that's, that's such a good point about talking yourself out of it. And when I was invited to participate in the anthology that I participated in, one of my good friends was uh, compiling it with one of his friends. And he said, Hey, you know, I know that you want to get published. This might be a good avenue to explore that. Like, would you consider submitting a story? I actually think I said no at first. And I was like, no, I won't do it. And then I sat down and wrote the story and I was like, okay, I'm not going to submit this, but I'll at least write it. And I wrote it and then I sat on it for a while and, you know, I, and then I finally told him, I said, okay, look, like I've, I've got a story for this anthology. I'm really worried that it's going to be crap. And like, and even up until, up until I got to read the other submissions, I was still thinking like mine is going to be crap and I'm going to get this anthology. I'm going to sit down and read brilliant words from other writers. And then Mm -hmm. mine is going to be like this black spot in the project. And I'm going to wonder why I was included. And when it was first published, I actually couldn't even read it for about three or four days and really had to like psych myself up to just like sit down and read it. Um, yeah. So I, I, I tried to talk myself out of it. I was unsuccessful and I'm glad that I was unsuccessful because I'm really proud of it. But yeah, that, that voice that says that I can't is pretty loud sometimes. Yeah. Definitely. Because I think regardless of whatever medium you're from, your you know, whatever creative uh, industry or, or area you come from, mm-hmm. those experiences are so universal. Right. And I think maybe more so for people of color and women of color specifically, right. because yeah. we're always having to navigate, you know, where do we fit and how do we belong as a part of just society and the world at large and, you know, America and all of that. And so those voices are often louder, I think, for Mm -hmm. us. And so that's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons that we're doing this podcast is because we want to highlight the badasses out there who are saying, I have figured out how to work through it or I am working through it and I'm doing it scared, even if that's what it takes, but I'm going for it, right? right? Because when we were growing up, we probably needed more of those voices Mm -hmm. and people who looked like us who Mm -hmm. were, you know, 
expressing that. And I just don't think we had enough of that, at least when we were, we were growing up. So. Yeah, I agree. There's a quote that I saw in a meme somewhere and it was like, go forth with the confidence of a mediocre white man. And I was like, yes. (laughs) Yes. And so that has kind of been my like internal mindset as I've been pursuing, you know, more of a creative outlet. I'm like, okay, go forth with the confidence of a mediocre white man. Like you can do this. There's so many, you know, like I said, I've read so many books that I've said, wow, how did this get published? Yeah, and so, exactly. You know, right? if three people read my book, that's great. If 300 people read it, that's going to be a lot more than I ever expect to read it. But mm-hmm. I, if I can say, you know, at the end of the day, no, I published something like that, right. that if I can do it for me, that's going to be the biggest reward, I think. Yeah. Right. Well, and the hope is too, it's, it's always kind of, you said earlier, it's that first step and showing mm-hmm. up is always the hardest. But now that you've done it, you know, one of the things that I've heard so much is like, the first time is always the hardest. But once you've done it the first time, now you can say it's already done the first time. And so the next time you go and do it, it's a little less scary because you've already done it, right? So yeah. it's so exciting, right? We're, we literally have your anthology like right in front of us. Like, Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, thank you for buying it. <laughs> Absolutely. Of course. <laughs> and this makes it so exciting to see that this is here, that it's published, that it's literally paper in a book yeah. in our hands. And now you did it. And so mm-hmm. the hope is that one day, Maybe sometime I'll in the have future. a whole stack of Chelsea exactly. Green works. <laughs> and then in we'll my be here interviewing you, would, and you have like your that. your fifth, your tenth, your twentieth book, right? Mm-hmm. And you can come back. Hopefully, we'll still be around doing this, and you can come back and say like, "This is how it all started." <laughs> oh, that would be Both so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was great. I I cried when I held that book oh. in my hands, which seems. I mean, you know, I I was such a small piece of it, but for me personally, I don't want kids. And so like, I think about like legacy a lot. And so I was like, Oh my gosh, here is like, this will outlive me. This is, this is my like mark on the planet that I was here. And you know, this will live on. Yeah. Mm. I love that. It'll live on. And you never know who may be inspired by your words and how that legacy that you started will then carry on and potentially ignite other people and to carry on their own legacies. Oh, I just love that. That's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about how this publishing opportunity came about. You mentioned your friend mm-hmm. and um, also where people can find it. Yes. So yeah. the anthology is called Bold, Stories About Living Life Out Loud. And it was put together by a group called the Pathfinders Collective, which is a group of storytellers that is spearheaded by my friend Jeremy Credlow. And then one of his good friends, Aaron Rogers. And so um, Jeremy and Aaron met at a storytelling event and they said, hey, you know, you're a good storyteller. You are too. We should come up with other good storytellers and put together this this anthology. And it actually uh, really benefits two incredible charities that they both feel really strongly about. So it was an honor for me to be able to participate in it. Yeah. Um, but that was how that was how that came about. It's available on Amazon. It's available in print and also in the Kindle version if anyone's trying to be more of a minimalist, like I'm trying to be. Yeah. <laughs> and I buy too many books that are physical copies, but you know, there's nothing like the smell of a book. Totally. hundred percent agree with that. So yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So, you know, Chelsea, something that's so unique about you, and I actually feel like I can connect with you is, you know, your creative, you know, outlet adventures is like, it's not your primary source of income, right? It's mm-hmm. essentially something you do secondary or in addition to your day job, which is kind of like me. It's exactly what I do. And me. Yeah. Right. And yeah. like all of yeah. us right here present. So 
I'm assuming you're not planning on leaving your CPA job anytime soon yet. No, I am not. And it's actually funny because when my grandparents heard about this anthology, they said, I hope you're not quitting your day job to be a writer. And I said, yeah, you know, this is a 1500 word story. I don't think I'm going to make a career change on that, but yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I actually really like my job despite what imposter syndrome tells me. I'm right. actually really good at my job. Yeah. And so I like to think that I'll be, you know, in, in yeah. kind of this path for this, a while. This potentially this bivocational type of path. It sounds like, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. 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 And it's funny because when I started writing, I was, I actually, I have written a novel. It will never see the light of day. So while I have written one, I really think of the one that I'm currently writing as my first, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I wrote my first novel, what is really my first novel in undergrad as a way to procrastinate on homework. And I just, (laughs) I just started writing and I I don't, I don't honestly even remember what the spark was for that novel. And like I said, looking back on it, like it's buried, it's going to stay buried. And my current novel, um, I actually had a nightmare one night in the middle of the night and it was like vivid and terrifying. And I woke up and I was like, woke up in a cold sweat and I was like, I need to get this out of my mind. Like, this is, this is terrifying to me. This is really upsetting. Mm. And I was like, I'm just going to put it on paper. And I Mm. sat down and I wrote it out and I was like, great. It's, it's out of my mind. I can fall back asleep. Um, and really getting it on paper was really helpful for me in the middle of the night like that. And then I revisited it by the light of day. And after I had had coffee and I said, wait a minute, this is like, where did this come from? What, Uh like what on earth inspired this? And I thought, oh, what if I give it a backstory? And what if I add some more characters and what happens to these characters to get them to the point? It was, it was basically in the middle of what is like the nightmare that inspired me to write is now basically in like the middle to maybe 40% of the way through my novel. And Mm. so I kind of crafted a whole world around it. Um, And now it's, now it's very, very small in comparison to the whole story. So it's been kind of cool to see that minimized when it was so, overwhelming and all-consuming right. that, that night and it's funny too because now there have been so many scenarios where something has been said or a situation has maybe not been the most ideal and rather than reacting negatively to it I'm like I'm gonna put that in my story like you totally. said that thing to me you're going in my book like you're gonna be <laughs> yeah. a character so watch out you're people have no idea that you're in my book and you know <laughs> you said that in passing but now you're a character congratulations yeah <laughs> <laughs> Whether well, you make that. it to the end of the book is a different story. But, right. you know. <laughs> no, I find it so fascinating to hear about how you took this dream, this nightmare, and creatively kind of worked through it, but then found, wait a minute, there's something here, right? Yeah, yeah I love That's that. Right. That's so yeah. cool. Thank you. <laughs> well, kind of going back to the same vein of what I was asking earlier, just about managing the two, the two dualities, right? CPA, but then writer. Do you ever notice having challenges of just like balancing those two roles? Yes, definitely. I mean, I mentioned earlier, there was a point in time last year where I didn't touch my book for six months. Um, There have also been times at work where I'll be in the middle of a work project and a piece of inspiration hits (laughs) like a tidal wave and I cannot, it feels like I can't take a breath until I get it down on paper. And so I actually have, I have an email in my Outlook drafts it's it's basically just for that. It's a draft email of if I get hit with inspiration, it's like, oh, I gotta get that down. Yeah. I will lose it during the workday. Yeah. But if I get it down, then when I get the chance to sit down and write, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I remember that thought. It's on paper. Let's put it in mm-hmm. the book. 
I have a lot of notes on my notes app and voice memos <laughs> on my iPhone with song oh, yeah. ideas <laughs> that happened when I was working at, you know, the place we both used to work sitting in my office, you know, up there just, ooh, I have an idea. And then I would yep. just, you know, right. put it into my voice memos real quick. So I totally relate. I definitely know how that goes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Did you yeah. ever have coworkers walk in while you were doing that? I don't think so, but I also became that person who kept my door shut pretty much always, <laughs> probably that for sense. that yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I wish that I wish that inspiration only struck on weekends or after work, and I wish that while I'm writing, I'm not thinking about work. But that's that's not the world that I that I live in, and right. it's not the world that I think any of us can live in while we're balancing our creative pursuits and right. the jobs that pay the bills. Right. Yeah. One of you is so interesting um, because it sounds like instead of it being in opposition with it one with one another, what you've now found mm-hmm. is a way to like, how then do I navigate this and work through this and with it? Right. So I love that mm-hmm. even if it's, it sounds once again, so simple, like I just have an email, you know, draft email, just like writing down my notes and my ideas so that I don't mm-hmm. lose it because you're right. When inspiration or creativity hits, it can just come and then just go mm-hmm. so quickly. So I love right. that you're just like, wait a minute, I got to, pause and then I need to go back and do my job and oh pause go back do my job I mean I love that I think that's so cool thank you yeah one thing that makes you really unique Chelsea is the fact that you're not looking to quit your job I think you know some of mm-hmm. us who kind of find that creative mojo or decide okay I want to do this on some professional level like myself mm-hmm. where it's like okay I've got another job you know I'm doing other things but the ultimate goal is really to say let's not have another day job someday and really move into doing, you know, music and creative work full time. But one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on to the show is because that's not really your story. And you're kind of owning both of these areas Mm -hmm. that, you know, on the surface may look like they're in opposition Mm -hmm. to each other. But as you said, you have kind of found this balance. So um, yeah, so advice to people who maybe are in your your situation or might be thinking that they have to choose between one or the other, like, what would you tell those folks? Yeah, definitely. I would say your timeline does not have to look like anyone else's timeline. Mm. Uh, I started writing my current novel in 2016, 2015. So it's been a seven year process that is still not done. Uh, Meanwhile, one of my favorite authors turns out a new book every year. And I wish that that was me, but that is, that's not me. And I, I think think too, my biggest piece of advice would be to find enjoyment in it. Mm. And I know that that seems so, you know, that seems so basic, like you should enjoy what you do. But there are times that there are times that I'll sit down to write and I'll realize, you know, this is not something that I'm going to find enjoyable tonight. And I walk away. Mm-hmm. And there are times that I push, try to push through it. But if I can't push through it, I don't want it to ever be a chore for me because it is not something that I'm relying on to pay my bills. It's, it's something that's a hobby. And so I you know, if it's a hobby, I should be able to enjoy it as right. a hobby. <laughs> and, yeah, right. you know, it should be something that really, it brings me a lot of peace. It brings me a lot of joy. And if I'm not in that space where I can appreciate what it brings for me, then I, then I don't engage with it that day. And if, you know, if that means that a day or a week or six months goes by without touching it, then that's something that I've just kind of had to learn to be okay with. Yeah. Do you want to get to the point someday where you're doing this on a slightly more professional level where you are like being published more regularly and stuff like that. Is that on your kind of goal list at all? 
Um, maybe not to the point where I could do this full time, but yeah. I would like to, you know, I would like to publish this book and then see how it's received. And the way that I'm writing it, I'm writing it in a way where the story can stand on its own. My least favorite thing about the books that I've read, especially when they're turned into movies is when there's four books and only three of them get made into movies because mm-hmm. the energy fizzles out. It's like, where, where's that fourth movie? Like, please, I would watch it. Like, give it to me or shows that get canceled too soon. So I, <laughs> we have, we have some opinions about that. We, you and I, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know, if my book is published and is well received, which, you know, is not at all anything that I'm expecting, I kind of just want to publish it to say that I published it. Yeah. Uh, then, then that's great. I actually do have kind of an idea for a sequel If it ever got to that point, but the story that I'm writing right now can stand on its own because I wanted to be able to say, you know, if I publish it and three people read it, I wanted to be able to say, okay, well, great. My goal was to publish. I accomplished that goal. Move on to the next creative pursuit. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. So I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. Mm -hmm. You've been incredibly vocal, especially on social media. And I think in the story that you contributed to Bold, which I had the honor of reading, and I loved getting a chance yeah. to actually read your writing. But, you know, you talk a lot about being a biracial woman and how that intersects with your religious history and your sort of current mm-hmm. beliefs and how that has all evolved And you've also been really vocal, especially on social media, about calling out injustice. Mm -hmm. And you grew up in similar spaces like we both did. And, you know, I think sometimes there's there's this fear that comes with that of like, oh, no, what are people going to think if I start being more vocal about this? And Mm -hmm. is this going to create tension or am I going to alienate people or, or lose people in my life? All that kind of stuff. But I think, you know, thinking back to this concept of the take back, like, again, you took back kind of an identity for yourself Mm -hmm. and decided, I'm done being quiet. I'm going to start talking about this stuff that's really important Mm -hmm. to me. How did you get to that point of really saying, forget what people think, I'm going to just embrace my truth. And I'm going to go about expressing this publicly. Tell us about that journey. Yeah, I think I I got to the point you know, basically from 2016 on where I got to the point where I said, I cannot be quiet about this. And, mm-hmm. and I realized I, I kind of had a little bit of a fundamental like life shift. I moved to Florida in 2019 for work, but it was the first time that I had ever lived outside of Washington state and actually outside of King County. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like moving away, I, I wish I had done it 10 years ago because mm-hmm. I honestly think that I learned so much about myself as a person in such a short amount of time. And then, you know, I was already kind of on that path and I knew I was, but then I moved away and the pandemic hit and then like everything happened in the summer of 2020. And I was just like, why are people not outraged about this? Like why, you know, why are people from my former church so adamant about not wearing masks? And like, why is no one saying that, Hey, black lives matter? Like, you know, it, it got to the point where I was just like, you know, and there were people that were speaking out about it. I don't want to discount those that were, but it felt like a lot of people in my circles were really silent. I was like, Mm. this is like, if being silent is being part of that, I want nothing to do with it. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. I mean, I've personally, as an observer and somebody who knows you, you know, a little bit better, obviously our relationship goes beyond just social media, but Mm -hmm. I've definitely watched this kind of shift happen from the time that we were, you know, seeing each other every day at work to where you Mm -hmm. are now. And I feel like even though we're on opposite 
ends of the country now. We've gotten closer <laughs> in a way because we're I getting agree. to share some of this stuff that we you know, yeah. probably didn't in the spaces that we were sort of both in at that point in time when you did live in Washington. So it's just been, it's yeah. been amazing to see you own that part of your story and to call out the crap when you see it mm-hmm. and, and then to Thank get you. to read about it in this book yeah. and to, and to see you really get vulnerable and honest and in a, in a way confident too. I think mm-hmm. there's such a confidence to the way that you spoke about your story. So again, like when I think of this take back idea, you are such a great example of that. And so I, I've just, I've enjoyed as your friend and your former colleague seeing that evolution happen and then getting to experience it through your art as well has been really cool. Thank so, you. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. I look back on, you know, conversations that I had when I was still in certain spaces and I look back on those and cringe. And so now I'm, you know, I think I I have alienated a lot of people and I have lost a lot of people, but I've also found a lot of really, really good people in the process. And so it's kind of showed me like, no, finding my voice can be lonely, but Mm -hmm. you know, there's also a lot of good that can come from it. And it it also got to the point where I was like, what are they going to do? Like, <laughs> get mad at me? Go for it. Yeah. Like, you can't criticize me more than I already criticized myself right. going back to imposter syndrome. Right. So it, like, True. hit me with your best shot. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So you've been talking about your novel. Is there anything yes. else, creative projects of yours that you're working on? This is kind of your opportunity to do a little bit of a shameless plug. Tell us about <laughs> what things, you know, over the next year, couple years, whatever, that our listeners mm-hmm. can look forward to seeing from you. Yes. So my novel is going to be the biggest thing for sure. And then after that is published, I'm I'm really going to just kind of see how things go. Um, I might go completely into like short stories after that, sure. or just, you know, writing, writing to process the things that are going on in my life, which is kind of how I started. And, you know, I might I might keep writing novels. We'll see. So it's very much up in the air, but I'm kind of just trying to like enjoy the journey where it currently stands, which for me, kind of going back to analytic and, you know, very like technical and type A, I'm like, I can't just, I can't enjoy the journey. There has to be a goal and there has to be a milestone. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. I have to be here by this day and here by this day. And so, you know, writing has been kind of a completely different path than yeah. that, which is very unfamiliar and very uncomfortable sometimes, but I'm also trying to not hold myself to anything like specific in this, in this journey. I love that. Just even the fact that you're, even though it's a challenging for you to do that, the fact that you're pushing yourself to do that, like, Hey, I'm going to do this for fun. I know like, cause it is, you know, when we, you know, flex that creative muscle, it is a fun experience, especially when Mm -hmm. you, um, maybe hardwired or you work in a job where it's so analytical and you have to hit different metrics or measures or different Mm -hmm. timeframes just to have something that could be free, free flowing or fun or, you could take a minute and maybe step away from it, but then come back. I love that. And like I said, we're really excited to see what comes out of this continued journey for you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Well, this has been so much fun. Chelsea, we've had a blast talking with you. Thanks for sharing your story. We have one little segment, kind of reoccurring segment that we're trying to implement. I love this little segment. It's Kind of cutesy and fun. So um, this is the final five in five. So this segment is the last five minutes and our last five questions to Mm -hmm. kind of get a little fun, but a little different view of who our guests are. So I have my timer. You can't see it, but I have like, I literally (laughs) time people like, let's see if we can get this done in five minutes. But 
Okay, Chelsea, so we're going to start. So um, what is one book or piece of writing that you've read multiple times? I try to read Wuthering Heights every single summer. It is not at all a summer read, you know, for anyone that's read it, and I'm sure you both have, it's very dark and depressing, but (laughs) it is my summer read. I have read it every summer for, I don't even know how many years. But summer, why summer? I don't know. I think I wanted to like, like meet the sunny, like, you know, it's, it's great outside. It's so nice outside. Let me read about Heathcliff's unrequited love. Like, you know, this is like, let me just like send myself into that spiral that he's in. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) All right. How do you define success? I think for me, so I think of success like professionally, but then also personally and success for me personally looks like living authentically and just like being myself because I felt like I couldn't be myself for so long. Mm -hmm. And then professionally, you know, success looks like metrics and benchmarks and billable hours and all the things that come with the world that I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. All the businessy things, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So it's Friday night. How, what's one of your favorite ways to relax or unwind? Yep. So I always tell people that my preferred way to spend time is at home with my dog on the couch watching Netflix. And that is exactly what I'm going to do tonight. Love it. It is a Friday night. So that's how I'm going to spend tonight. I love that. All right. So what are some things that are currently inspiring your creativity? So this can be either something that you've read, something that you're reading, something that you're listening to, like an album or an artist, a movie or a place. So I think the biggest thing that inspires my creativity right now is music. And I love the Spotify Discover Weekly playlist because every week there's something in there that gets added to my writing playlist. I'm like, this is amazing. And then I sit down and I song binge it while I'm writing. So that's kind of been my biggest um, creative inspiration at this point. I'm trying not to be inspired by other written work or other movies because I'm really trying to make sure that nothing about my story borrows from other works, which, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. So I know that there will be some of that, but Obviously, I'm trying to make it my own. Yeah, love it. All right, final question. What is a favorite woman of color business or brand that you would recommend? So there's actually a meditation and yoga instructor on the Insight Timer app. She goes by the name Fran D, like the letter D. And she has a really incredible um, meditation about imposter syndrome. It's it's very niche, um, but honestly, like, her her work and her business as a black woman has been so impactful for me to be able to grab that meditation. It feels like it's speaking directly to me when I am faced with imposter syndrome. And so I've noticed that that has really helped um, complement my writing too. You know, if I'm sitting in a space that I can't do this today, I put on one of Fran's meditations and I, I come away just feeling so much more empowered. So that's, that's who I would recommend. Yeah. Well, Chelsea, thank you so much for being here as our first official guest on the Take Back podcast. It's been just a joy speaking with you and we're so happy for you and excited for you with your new book. Again, that's called Bold Stories About Living Life Out Loud. So we encourage our listeners to go and check that out and we'll have all the information in our show notes and everything like that. And any last words, anything you want to end with? I would say just take time every day to find something that brings you joy, especially if that's outside of your nine to five. Love that. Well, thank you so much, Chelsea. We look forward to maybe seeing you again in the future. Yes. Thank you. I'd love to come back. What an amazing conversation. 
I know. I loved it so much. What a breath of fresh air just to hear from someone as poised and eloquent and just wanting to pursue the joy in the craft. I love that she's not putting any kind of pressure on herself and yet is still owning it. Like, yeah, this is my hobby, but... I'm going to do it wholeheartedly and with excellence, right? Mm -hmm. Which is something we talk about. So talk about black excellence. Chelsea is such a great example of that. She is. Well, thank you so much, listeners, for joining us for yet another episode of the Take Back podcast. We love being here with you. We hope that this show is resonating with you and that you're having some great takeaways from it. Just a reminder to all of you that you can follow us on social media. We have our Instagram account, which is at the Take Back Podcast. We also really encourage you to join our email list on our website, which is at thetakebackpodcast.com. And then if you know some amazing women of color creatives who might be interested in being a guest on our show, please go over to our website and drop us a little note so that we can get in touch with you and hopefully get in touch with that guest because we are always looking for amazing, badass, incredible women of color artists and creatives to interview on this show. So thanks again for joining us on the Take Back podcast, and we will hopefully see you in our next episode. Want to be a creative revolutionary with us? Visit thetakebackpodcast.com to learn more.